0: Welcome to T3. Today, tomorrow's technologies. Your host is Jose Negron. We take the guesswork out of technological jargon so that you know what's next, why it's great or not so great, and how you can benefit from it by learning about it early. Now, here is Jose Negron.
1: Welcome, folks. This is your host, Jose Negron, on voiceamerica.com, on the Variety Channel, hosting the lead technology show, T3, Today, Tomorrow's Technologies, every Tuesday at 9 o'clock Pacific Standard Time, of course, uh, noon Eastern Standard Time. You can also catch us uh, every morning Monday uh, and evening, Monday and Tuesday. Check your local listing at voiceamerica.com, the Variety Channel, and just go to T3, Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. As always, uh, I'd like to thank our audience out there, both uh, international. I was quite shocked that I hadn't checked it in a couple weeks, and uh, the international audience keeps growing. I'm very pleased with that, along with our U.S. audience. As a reminder to our guests today, uh, as well as our audience. The purpose of T3 is to integrate our scientists, engineers, and inventors, and and really uh, take the tech talk and bring it down to the non-techie folks and just have a general conversation of the technology that impacts our lives. Uh, As always, I'd like to encourage everybody to call in 866-472-5787 eight or email me today, tomorrow's technologies at gmail.com. The show today is pretty fantastic because uh, I was trying to think about what to talk about and I haven't talked about the coronavirus, so I want to spend the first uh, segment talking about the coronavirus, uh, the second segment I want to recap the energy needs in the U.S., and in the third segment talk about space. So the show today is Technology Impacts on COVID-19, Energy Needs, and Space Exploration. Uh, as always, uh, we're really uh, excited about this. My guest today is uh, Mike Rosavi. He's a business owner, a technology enthusiast, and and also is an expert in intellectual property. Uh, if you recall, I've had Mike on the show about a year ago, and we talked about the importance of uh, uh, IP, intellectual property. Let me just give you some background before I bring on uh, Mike. And we'll and Mike, uh, to welcome to the show, just to let the audience know that you're here, and uh, I'll just give a quick recap and then we'll start our little question and answer uh, discussion so welcome to the show Mike Sure,
2: sure Jose good morning Jose and uh, everybody that's listening uh, to us uh, it's a great morning another uh, nice day and uh, uh, I'm glad to be here
1: and thanks for inviting me again You're welcome, Mike. Uh, Mike, The reason Mike's saying that, we're out of Washington, D.C., and it's been raining and windy, and uh, today's a nice sunny day, so (laughs) we're looking forward to get outside, or at least do the uh, social distancing walks. But let me uh, just go back a little bit. Let's understand the coronavirus, how it impacted uh, us, and what do we need to do. So what is the coronavirus? A coronavirus is a large family of viruses. Uh, It causes illnesses in animals and humans, specifically what we're dealing with right now, uh, humans. Uh, the, there's been several coronaviruses known to man right now impacting the respiratory infections. Uh, if we recall the Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, MERS, or the Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome, SARS, uh, most of the recently we have the COVID-19. Uh, so that's what's happening today. And as everybody knows, we're all being impacted. The question is, what is technology doing to improve our lives? So uh, we'll get to that question here in a minute. But uh, what are the symptoms? Uh, I look at these symptoms because everybody, I don't know, is either gun shy or overreacts or underreacts. So take this uh, information. If you need to look it up, go to the CC, uh, CDC page uh, and find some more information. But the most common symptoms of CONV-19 are fever, tiredness, and dry cough. Some patients have aches and pains, nasal congestion, runny noses, sore throat, and diarrhea. Uh, these symptoms are mild to- and gradually increase. Most people recover about 80%. Uh, one out of six have a severe illness and develop uh, difficult breathing. And of course, we've all heard that the vulnerable population is our older uh Uh, family members and older gentlemen and and females out there because they develop, uh, because of the uh, complications, high blood pressure, heart problems, diabetics and other serious illnesses. Uh, People uh, with severe cough and difficult breathing, uh, recommendation is to seek medical attention and I know a lot of us are um, staying home, sheltering in place. I know Mike and I are definitely doing that. We've had plenty of calls. Uh, Mike and I have been working on several projects that we'll talk a little bit about but uh, More importantly, uh, let's, uh, you know, uh, stay uh, with the social distancing. Uh, Antibiotics. you know, one of the questions we always get is Does antibiotics work? Well, antibiotics did not work on uh, viruses. They're good for bacteria. So, uh, uh, r- really, you should need uh, to ch- uh, talk to your physician. And then in the incubation period uh, for COVID 19 ranges 1 through 14 days, most commonly, 5 days. These are all estimates. And as you hear on any of the local channels or any of the uh, uh, cable channels, especially news channels, we're still learning about the virus uh con v19 is uh as a coronavirus it's uh it's not the first one it's uh i believe it's the second one coming out and we are um at first i uh, uh was exposed for uh, as everybody knows wuhan city in china in december and just a little outline of uh of the schedule here, uh, it was first discovered on the thirty-first of December. On the on the seventh of January, we identified it as a new uh, coronavirus. Uh, on the China, uh, the Chinese uh, uh, had their first death on the eleventh of January. Uh, the first case outside of Japan happened on the twentieth of January in Thailand, Japan, and South Korea. On the first on the twenty-first uh, of January, uh, the U.S. Uh, had its first case uh, in Washington State. Eight. On the 23rd, uh, we had a, a lockdown. Uh, and then on the 31st uh, uh, of January, we had the first travel ban for the, uh, China, anybody traveling. And then we had additional restrictions on the 29th of February, which is a month later. And then, of course, on the 8th of March, we had approximately 500 folks uh, with coronavirus. Today, we're sitting at 787,960 people. Uh, 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 folks with coronavirus mike uh any comments on anything that i've said to inform the public here and the audience as we go through why we need to be hunkering down and and take this uh i guess uh, virus seriously and especially as we begin to think about reopening the economy
2: Oh no! Uh, basically, you said it all. Uh, as as you know, this is uh, coronavirus. As you mentioned, has been around, of course, since 1960. Uh, this specific type, uh, COVID-19, and it's been named big because of the year. Of course, uh, since last year started, um, uh, it's very very smart virus. So uh, we, you know, basically what you said is, uh, uh, you know, on on path uh, just couple of comments you know it, it's uh they've been mentioning you know we want to of course stay at home uh social distancing uh it's really important to reduce stress at this time get quality sleep eat well uh you know as, as they mentioned you know if you have to go out wear a mask and and wash uh, hands as much as possible uh, Exercise has shown has been helping uh i've been talking to a few doctors and one of our labs uh they mentioned it shows uh, this virus, once it gets into the body, it, it shows it, it loves the sugar or glucose environment in the body. Uh, so uh, uh, they said, if during this time, if we can uh, reduce our sugar consumption, uh, perhaps that would help. If the virus gets in, it would, it would mul- multiply much less. Uh, and uh, so this was one of the uh, you know, few doctors I talked to that was their recommendation. Uh, but, uh, uh, but you know, we will definitely get through this. Uh, as you said, you know, we're going to talk about what is coming and what what's going to be the answer uh, to 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 this uh, to this virus. That-
1: Absolutely. And, you know, as I was reviewing, uh, just for the audience real quick, we're talking about CONV-19. As of today, uh, if you haven't been to the John Hopkins website, I, I recommend you going there. But as of today uh, in the count right now, they're probably several hours late, but uh, right now they're showing 787, 960,000 folks from the U.S. that have been totally confirmed with uh, uh, conv Unfortunately, we've had 42,364 deaths. New York leads uh, the nation, of course, with 14,604, and you can get the breakdown of statistics. But if you haven't been to the uh, John Hopkins website, uh, go to https semicolon backslash backslash Uh, coronavirus.jhu.edu backslash map. Um, and then dot uh, html. Uh, it's a great little website if you want to know about it. One of the things that struck me, Mike, as I went back and, and reviewed the history of viruses, viruses has been with mankind ever since the beginning of man. Uh, in recent decades, though, I've been quite surprised how many viruses that we've had in in the recent uh I'm going to say in the, uh, in the in the last 20, maybe 30 years, I mean, we've had MERS-CONV, we've had the coronavirus-19, we've had the uh, SARS coronavirus, we had the rotavirus. Uh, the Dengue plague uh, virus is one that was established in 1950. The reason I bring that one up is that one I'm familiar with because as a military member, we always always uh, interested in taking our shots for the Dengue, especially when we're traveling to the hot spots of the of the world. But influenza, uh, you know, I think the critical part that will uh, be impacted is as we look at these diseases, influenza, the typical flu season, uh, we have over 500,000 deaths. Worldwide. And I think they've said uh, in the US, normally we have uh, 40,000. What makes this COVID 19 virus deadly is that we've had it from January to March. We're at 42,364 deaths. This is in, in less than two to three months, depending on how you want to calculate this. Uh, so that's the reason. If you have 40 plus thousand deaths of, of flu in a, in a year, well, now we're on track in three months, so you can imagine that, and doctors keep telling us it's going to uh, rapidly multiply and exponentially, and I don't think people understand that, that uh, what uh, math does when you exponentially uh, create the numbers, it just explodes. So the real question is, we're sitting at 42, are we going to be at close to 60 to 80,000 next Sunday? Are we going to be there? and the probability is high, and that's what uh, the public health officials are scared of, and that's what uh, people who are not understanding the exponential value of this uh, disease, this virus, uh, going around. And we have to be precautious, but there's a balance between the public health and the economics. I understand that. Mike, what's your take on this?
2: Oh Well, I, I totally agree with you, uh, Jose. Uh, one of the problems with this virus is... Uh, it gets into the body, it's very smart, it finds out that people, uh, most people have deficiency of some form or the other, such as, you know, diabetic, underlying uh, health deficiency, and it goes inside, it goes inside the body, it gets into the lung, and it goes to the lower part of the lung, and it just sits there. It sits there for, for a week to two weeks, and unfortunately, during those times, people have no symptoms, most people. And of course they're out, and if you're out, you're just passing this along, and you're going to give this to uh, thousands and thousands of people. All you have to do if you if you expose yourself to i say ten or fifteen and each person starts exposing se- themselves to ten or fifteen, they just multiply and that's That's been the issue, and of course it's been deadly because it hits the lungs and uh it it just it it's it just goes very fast after that and of course as you know it, it translates to pneumonia and and uh and uh the other problem we've had with number of deaths and number of people getting sick uh, our hospitals have been overwhelmed and uh, our emergency rooms and, and so they don't have the capacity anymore and, and that's why uh, most states have put in the uh lockdown and staying at home which is very wise by you know not 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 getting close to people and and not exposing them in case we're carrying and 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 the other way around so um as far as the number of deaths goes i agree with you as I I, unfortunately uh the number of exposed very soon in u.s is going to be probably close to a million and then if you take a percentage of people that already been i uh uh healed and and uh it's Still under hundred thousand, so we have way over. I say six hundred plus thousand that still are battling with the disease, and unfortunately, we're gonna have portion of that uh, that uh, those uh, people that are not gonna survive. So uh, uh, the estimate right now is hundred to two hundred thousand deaths, and unfortunately, we may we may get there. So
1: yeah. I, I- I'm sitting back, and uh, we're going to have some major changes. Uh, The medical community is going to have some major changes. Uh, Just our social impact, our daily living is going to have a change. Uh, But uh, right now, the U.S., and I can remember we had a lot of studies on uh, reducing the number of hospital beds and, and intensive care beds, and that happened in the uh, 80s, 90s. Those discussions were happening, and then now we, here we are. Uh, we barely have enough beds. Uh, it's on-time medicine. You know, Acute care in the U.S. is at the point of delivery. We don't have anything what I call um, uh, pre uh, it, w- I guess I'm trying to uh, help me with the name here a little bit, but we do not forecast or we do not have early detection is what I'm trying to get to on medicine. That's the issue that we have. Everything is, you know, I'm lucky. I've been very healthy and I go to the doctor when I need to go to the doctor, but most people do not have that opportunity. I know a brother of mine who was constantly uh, seeing the doctors because he, he was just ill all the time and I couldn't understand that because of being healthy now I understand that more and more as you have children and you um, you know you have to take care of them but anyway changes in the medical uh, health care uh, institution is going to happen the the acute care the ability to have pre-existing conditions really determine and understanding what that impacts and then also the numbers of, of uh, people's death just because of the influenza I mean 40,000 still 40,000 and uh, we need to take care of that I, I understand the economic development, i.e. you got to balance uh, what people are doing and how they get sick. At this time, uh, I look at con like the smallpox. It's going to spread, and the question is, it's uh, like any virus. It's uh, it's going through uh, the population, and those who are healthy will survive, and those who are not healthy will not survive, and that's Mother Nature's way of uh, uh, weeding out the weak, I guess, is the way I look at it, but you does That doesn't mean you have to expose yourself. That doesn't mean you don't have to be uh, precautious and have precautions as you move through the day. So that's one thing I would tell you. Uh, Just uh, remember that uh, you have to be careful in this day and age. And uh, more importantly, uh, we have uh, about 30 seconds left there. Mike, you got anything else you want to tell the public here?
2: Well, all I wanted to mention, you know, as, as, uh, you know, we're going to gear up in the coming months to open up different states. Uh, as you know, I've been a big, uh, 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 speaker about testing and make sure, uh, you know, we get tested at different level, uh, which is going to be really a key, key, uh, I say, roadway to, to, to start up, uh, our economy and start our businesses. So, uh, absolutely. absolutely. Well, folks. Yeah.
1: Folks, we're talking about technology impact on V 19 uh, you know, Our next segment, we'll talk about energy needs, and the third segment, we'll talk about uh, space exploration. I'm sitting here discussing uh, with uh, my guest, uh, Mike Ravezzi a former government representative of the U.S. Patent Office. He's a business expert and a technology enthusiast, and we've been uh, working kind of together, and I asked Mike, hey, let's discuss COVID. let's talk a little bit about of- About energy and space So on the next segment When we come back We're going to talk about Renewable energy needs And the consumption in the U.S. Because I don't think uh, People really understand The power needs That you're going to have In the next uh, Let's say 2050 So we'll be back in just a minute
3: The Internet's Number one talk station Number one talk station VoiceAmerica.com Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. All you need to do is tune in. Listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com
0: You are listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. To reach the program today, please call in to one 472 5788 That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to todaytomorrowstechnologies at gmail.com. Now, back to our show.
1: Welcome back, folks. We're talking today about technology impacts on CONV-19, coronavirus, energy needs, and space exploration. My guest today is Mike Re- a uh, former government representative from the US Patent Office now a business expert and a technology enthusiast uh, we've been doing some work on uh, the con V the first segment we talked about the uh, the virus itself the symptoms uh, the incubation time and a little bit about virus and why they're so deadly uh, and we've reviewed that uh, this segment I'd like to shift our focus to energy needs talking about uh, you know what is the power consumption in the us what are renewable fuels, uh, why uh, people think about renewable fuels as just wind and solar. And those are the kind of discussions I would like to have. But just uh, as I did in the first period, let's just have a quick little background. First of all, uh, renewable fuel is loosely defined, and one of the things uh, that I've discovered after I did a series of shows. and And if you want to learn a little bit more about it, I would recommend you go into the, our podcast at uh, March twenty fourth. Uh, the subject was renewable fuel solutions, nuclear energy. On uh, the thirty first of March, recycling the uh, the ashes of nuclear fission. And the last show we did is is on uh, seven April. We did all renewable. Are the future of energy needs met? Uh, And the issue here is because we're getting a lot of pressure from governments now to use wind and solar as the major components for our renewable energy, but yet our power consumption are going through the roof. And we're not balancing, and what we've discovered is we don't have a standard of measuring renewable fuels. So I just want a little bit of talk about that. What, what do we consider renewable energy? We talk about wind, solar, hydro, uh, geothermal, biomass, es- uh, ethanol, fuels, uh, but we never talk about nuclear energy as fuel. so that's one of the things I want to come back to and talk about. Mike, any questions on renewable fuels, and what's your opinion on how how do we move forward from a power consumption?
2: Uh, Well, um, you know, as as you mentioned, you know, we have renewable fuels, and I was just looking at the history, you know, of of, uh, uh, consumption of, you know, electricity and energy, going back to just really as early as 1940s, yeah, uh, when we were, uh, you know, through World War uh, uh, One and then of course two, and and what happened? Uh, our energy consumption have doubled, tripled, quadrupled, uh, and uh, and that's why you know we've got into and then of course the fossil fuels, as 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 you know, you know not only the pricing and and the whole uh, issue with fossil fuels, so we've come to renewable energy uh and uh so uh uh you know i and and uh, uh i i think you know what has happened just the, just looking at since the uh invention of of electronics and you know really internet and and when we started the computers what has happened the innovation has really caused us to use electricity substantially more and more uh, as time goes uh as you know right now uh we're using 8% more electricity per year uh in the whole entire world and good part of it has to do with innovation and coming up with new new ways and as we get uh, you know into this this uh, decades with the use of uh, new computers new robotics and and uh uh we're going to just our energy consumption i think uh, our uh is gonna substantially go higher. So, uh, we definitely have to address as, as, as uh, you know, you've mentioned, uh, here,
1: uh, so, uh, Absolutely. In fact, so, uh, what I yeah. heard this morning, uh, Mike, uh, just if you haven't, one of the major automobile companies is uh, transforming uh, or manufacturing because of the electrical cars, uh, but they're going to all renewable uh, capability to power that particular plant, the main office, and a few other things. That was just uh, on the news today that I heard. So the push for power and energy consumption, and especially electrical, is really uh, generating and gaining speed. There's no question about that. If you take a look at Tesla, as much as people three years ago thought they were going to go under, look at their stock value today. So uh, it is up and coming, um, and uh, that is something that we need to be aware of. As you said, Mike, uh, it, it is critical because the renewable fuels is gaining. Uh, it, it is increasing. We've, we use from a consumption rate in uh uh, currently, 19% renewable fuels. Uh, expected a growth by 2050 is 38%. Natural gas, uh, we've talked about that. I, you know, living in Louisiana, Texas, uh, that's a uh, natural gas has been a major player. Uh, that's even 37% today, 36% in 2050. Nuclear power has uh, surprised me, and this is what we need to talk about because of the uh, renewable fuels of nuclear power that is now being just stored on site. And there's over uh, uh, tons, uh, tens of tons of nuclear uh, energy uh, that uh, they call it waste or renewable energy that needs to be recycled. And I think that's critical. But the nuclear energy has gone down from 19 percent to 12 percent, and that's a clean fuel. Uh, and we, like uh-huh. I said uh, before, go to one of our shows that, that we talked about nuclear energy. And of course, the big thing and green, uh, what is it, the greenhouse effect or, uh, you know, the uh, turning the climate into uh, the greenhouse. Coal, as uh, today, we use 24%. Uh, by the 2050, we we'll want to get it down to 13%. But this, this is where renewable fuels have to have a standard. What is the commonality? Mm-hmm. Is it clean air? Is it uh, limited bio or limited carbon uh, displacement? What is the standard? Uh, recycling. If we're building solar panels uh, and we stand them up and they're great, we still need to recycle them. And how long is that solar panel or that uh, wind uh, uh, wind farm uh, on the rotor, on that wind uh, axis, gonna last? And how do you decompose that? Those are the questions, so we need to make sure that we're playing and, and, and evaluating these renewable fuels with the apple to apple comparison. I don't think we're there. Any comments on that, Mike, uh, from your experience as you uh, look at uh, the people you've talked to in business? I, I absolutely
2: agree with you, uh, Jose. Uh, uh, one of the things, you know, when people talk about clean energy, and even though I agree with uh, wind and solar and some of the other types that you've mentioned, uh, people are not looking into, okay, they, the lifetime. Lifetime of solar is no more than 15 to 20 years. And what exactly. do you do with all the panels? Uh, the whole recycling and wind is the same thing, and again, the amount of energy is is, is producing versus uh, nuclear. And one of the things, you know, I, I just did a quick uh, look up, and you've discussed it in your previous uh, shows. In the in the whole entire world, you know, we have uh, roughly about four hundred forty nuclear power plants, and just about hundred of those are in the United States. Uh, but I'm looking at for the past. 10, 15, 20 years, how many new plants have we put in the United States or the world? The number is very, very, very little. Uh, Some areas, actually nothing. And we do have the technology with coming up totally with the safer, smaller, and much more efficient nuclear plants, which can indeed uh, give enough electricity for a town or a city or, or good part of each state. So that's something that technology is there, but we have not addressed it because the fact of, you know, we've been looking at the other alternative energy without really, as what you mentioned, is is looking at what's the waste and how long each one of these uh, different uh, technology lasts for us.
1: Yeah, in my studies, uh, I had the opportunity to go to Oregon Lab uh, the 1st of March and visit with uh, uh, Steve Curtis and Tom Dolan, and Tom is – is a Virginia proponent on uh, nuclear recycling, and of course, uh, Steve Curtis has been uh, in the nuclear business for a long, long time trying to figure out what do we need to do with the tons and tons of recycling material that we have, with 97% of that that is still active and can power homes for hundreds of years if we begin to recycle it. There's 3% that is critical and, and, and uh, needs to be taken care of, but uh, the the... Uh, I guess the contamination The criticality of the, that 3% Decreases as years goes on Now granted it's a, it's a long time But right now we have tons and tons Just sitting out there But uh, one, one key point I will bring out Is uh, what, you know the solar, the wind, the hydro And the geothermal These are all free fuels And this is great uh, But we need to have the standard I, I am convinced now that we're not measuring Apples to apples after doing the show After doing the research And more importantly some of these The power's in it interrupted it's intermittent i mean on a, on a day mm-hmm. like today where we don't have a lot of sun or we got partly cloudy or or some other distraction like uh weather uh tornadoes uh thunderstorms hurricanes i mean your power dist- uh, disruption is going to happen so the way we overcome that is through nuclear energy and the reason i bring that up is uh several months ago i started doing the space uh um, Podcast uh, with my good friend Hawks Abbott, and we we're talking about the Mars rover and the rovers around and robots all throughout the the, the globe. And I was amazed at how many robots we have. Uh, launched into space for exploration and, and most of them are you know they, they do have the solar capacity but uh, the ones that are still uh, I guess uh, running right now have the small nuclear modules and these are small nuclear modules that have been launched from Earth uh, kicked in uh, to use in, uh, in on in space so the bottom line is I do believe we're going to go from a central grid to a decentralized grid. The question is, what's that grid going to look like and how do we continue on? And more importantly, uh, Virginia, being a resident of Virginia, is getting ready through um, Dominion Power to set up, I believe, a a wind farm and a solar farm around Virginia Beach area. But uh, I started just cursory reading it in the acreage to set that up. I'm going, oh, my God, it's going to take over lots of acres. So let me just give you a comparison, because I've asked Steve Curtis to give me a comparison on the land uses on solar farms and wind farms. And the factors were pretty amazing uh, as he came back. If you set up a small nuclear uh, or small modular reactor at one unit, uh, that is just one unit. Uh, You compare that small uh, modular reactor unit. uh, It is... uh, It is the same capacity of 15 lightweight reactors, which we are currently building today. It is the same as 160 units for solar farms, and it is the same as 4,000 units of wind farms. So you can see the... uh, uh, the disparity or the uh, uh, the vastness of, of of land that you need in order to get the same capacity so that 's one of the things that we really need to talk about as we move forward is what are going to be what is the renewable energy we 're going to use We all want clean air we want to use less carbon i got that we 're not going to get rid of it it 's got to be sequenced in and I think that 's the issue that we need to really debate today is the balance between uh, lowering the carbon emissions versus the uh, integration of our renewable fuels, but have a standard that you're comparing apples to apples. Any comments on that, Mike?
2: Um, totally agree with you, Jose. Um just, just one comment uh, uh, we don't have here. Uh, the, uh, I was just looking at the cost of nuclear versus the cost of renewable energy, it really, the consumers, and I just have a friend, he, he did uh, put in uh, solar on, on his, for his business. He said it cost him $120,000. And then he calculated within uh, 15 to 20 years, is not just paying back also the consumers on top of it. So that's right. the, other, the other part of this equation. Does the renewable energy actually can save the consumers, uh, uh, you know, the cost? Of, of, of spending money for the energy, so uh, no, I think I you think bring out a good, good points. Right?
1: Yeah, yeah, you brought out a yeah. couple good points because we've got about four minutes. But let me uh, just comment on what you just said because it's critical. Uh, the first thing we got to get to is a, a common standard, or where we're compa- comparing apples to apples. There's no question in my mind that we're not. First of all, there's incentives for solar, there's wind, other activities, and so when you have those incentives, you're not competing at a fair value second as you mentioned in the sh- uh, recently is that we have to look at the not only the cost to bring that particular system up energy, uh, but also the recycling. So you have to have a life cycle uh, uh, um, cost so that you have a return on investment that is equal as you go across all the energy uh, fields. And the third thing I think it, you need to look at is just uh, the land displacement because I, I, I'm looking at this land displacement and the power uh, uh, and the energy needs that you will have and as our consumption rate increases I don't think any amount of solar or wind uh, that you build is going to keep up with that. And so that's not the all-be-all solution either. So the question is, what is your third option? And that's what I propose to you, that the third option is going to have to be nuclear, at least uh, in the short term. And because uh, of the public, uh, it may be the long-term solution. Any comments on that?
2: No, I totally agree. Totally agree. And also looking at uh, and, and perhaps, you know, diversify, use some of the alternative energy, but a nuclear to me would be the, the main one, especially with the new designs, and new smaller type of uh, system that we can put in place that they're going to be uh, much, much safer. Actually, nuclear, if you look at this study, is much safer than any other uh, uh, power systems we've had um, in the past.
1: No, that uh, Steve Curtis has brought that out several times that the uh, I guess uh, what, what, what you call it the the safety record of industrial safety on the nuclear side has been pretty good I mean've had three accidents we all can uh, recall three mile Chernobyl and Info- Fukushima. Info- Info- and those are the three really major accidents uh, there uh, when you talk about the US Navy you know you're talking about 300 plus reactors and haven't had a, you know, a major issues uh, most of the safety features I've worked like a champ, and I say most because the only reason they don't work in, in Chernobyl, you had human intervention. Just to let everybody yep. know, in 1977, uh, uh, President Carter um, uh, said that the U.S. will not recycle anymore. That's where we're at. China, uh, we need to do that. We've been over 40 years. We've been stacking uh, uh, nuclear energy waste uh, you know, by these nuclear plants, and we need to do something yep. about it. But let me let you know that China is about ready to build 50-plus Uh, nuclear plants in the next year or so uh you know and and i shouldn't say next year in the next 10 years is have 50 plants up and running so we've got about a minute left Uh, last comment there mike on energy
2: uh no and uh i think just uh as you mentioned you know recycling i think is going to be the key for uh you know all all the uh you said 40 years now we've had the uh the nuclear waste has been sitting there and and if we can recycle just those, it's going to carry us for a good good uh, amount of i say the energy that we can have for the next decade or so.
1: Absolutely. They predict almost 100 years uh, of uh, energy source just sitting there and everything. Well, folks, uh, we've been talking about technology impacts on uh, CONV-19 energy needs. Uh, in our next segment, we're going to talk about space exploration. My guest today has been uh, Mike Rozavi. Uh He is... Uh, Uh, intellectual property expert, a business expert, and a technology enthusiast. And we've been talking about technology impacts on the energy needs and space exploration. When we come back, we're going to expand our discussion on uh, space exploration because there's a lot of things going on in space uh, that I think it's just critical to cover. And we'll be right back.
3: We all know that today our country is in many ways run by vested interests, which have accumulated large amounts of power for themselves and at our expense. But this can be changed by recognizing the problems and then by adopting libertarian solutions to address them. Tune in to All Rise, The Libertarian Way with Judge Jim Gray. Judge Gray and his guests will discuss the problem areas of today and then present solutions that result in a better world for ourselves and and our children tune in fridays at 7 a.m pacific 10 a.m eastern on voice america variety
0: have you had a chance to check out voice america's online magazine and blog if you love our hosts and shows check out articles that give an even deeper perspective plus topics about health and fitness movie reviews philosophy business tips and tactics spirituality positive thought current events and even more about your favorite host it's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America press blog. All access, all the time.
3: Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time, the number 1 internet talk station where your opinion counts. Voiceamerica.com.
0: You are listening to today tomorrow's technologies to reach the program today please call in to 1-866-472-5788 that's 1-866-472-5788 or send an email to today tomorrow's technologies at gmail.com now back to our show
1: welcome back folks we're starting our third segment our topic today is technology impact on CONV-19, energy needs and space exploration. We've reviewed CONV, some of the symptoms, some of the initial uh, um, cases that the United States had, and of course, we're over 42,000 in death. And, in the, and the importance of uh, keeping your social distance and hunkering down, and of course, the uh, gradual uh, return on businesses that we need to be aware of. On our second segment, we talk about energy needs. So we talked about uh, renewable energies and what's really important about solar, wind, nuclear, bio, and, and the use of those is that power consumption is going to continue to increase. And the only thing I would ask everybody is start looking at this energy consumption and the need for renewable fuels on a apple-to-apple comparison. Finally, uh, I want to introduce uh, Mike uh, Rosavi. Uh, I'm interested in because Mike has uh, basically agreed. In the first two segments, we haven't really talked about it other than I told him, "Hey, I'd like for you to be a, my guest today. I'm going to talk about ComV19. I'm going to talk about energy, and I'm going to talk about space." He asked me, "What should I talk about, or what should he talk about?" And I said, "Just you know, just uh, be yourself." And uh, these are the topics. If you want to look up a little bit of the uh, of the information for your own information, then that's great. But Mike uh, is a true technology expert. He's an intellectual property protection retiring out of the U.S. government. He's a technology enthusiast, and we're just sitting here talking about uh, the three topics, uh, V, energy, and space. I'd just like to turn to space. This is our third segment, and I, ju- I would encourage everybody to uh, take a look at some of the podcasts we've had. Go to voiceamerica.com. Uh, go to the Variety Channel, look up T3 Today, Tomorrow's Technology, and look up some of our space uh, uh, pod uh, um, broadcasts because on uh, 14 April, we did uh, Why U.S. and Global Activities are Expanding into Space. We did another one on the 17th of March, uh, Returning to the Moon and Mars. We did one, and I would encourage you to take a look at this, uh, on 10 March on Space Robots. Uh, Finally, we did, uh, on 17 February, we did uh, uh, t- uh, 2020 uh, Space, the next frontier. Uh, on the 11th of February, we did uh, Space, Why Return to the Moon? And uh, I would just encourage each of you, and the last one, uh, one of the topics we did on uh, on 5 uh, November 2019, how important is space? And those are just topics that we're talking about, so I'm going to use this uh, uh, discussion with Mike just to get his opinion about it. We've never talked a little bit about it other than casually, uh, and I like to talk about space, but uh, more importantly, I'd like to give everybody an understanding. To me, space is... Uh, I don't know. It's hard. It's it's hard to explain because uh, I guess uh, if you've been around with Carl Sagan or any of the space pioneers, and my good friend Hawks Abbott is a uh, you know is a. Uh, an Apollo enthusiast more than anything else, but what, what boggles my mind is the distance, the number of stars, the the ability to travel uh, around the galaxy. So I'm just going to give you some factoids, and then I'm going to ask Mike what he's thinking about this thing. But the uh, you know, long distance in space is represented by light years, and, and you know everybody, the distance that takes light years to travel. So that's roughly 5.8 trillion trillion miles or 9.3 trillion kilometers in a light year okay so i just want everybody to keep that uh last week we talked about the uh from the sun to the to earth that's 93 million miles uh aeronautical, astronomical uh, mileage unit uh, what they use you know so the, these are things uh, that scientists use to help them measure the vastness of space because space is just really a vastness so from uh, light that is visible on our telescope uh we can see into space at a distance of 13.7 billion light years remember uh i said that uh a light year is roughly uh, 5.8 trillion. When I talk about those numbers and I say trillions and billions, uh, I'll tell you, my, my eyeballs roll back because it's hard for me to comprehend. And then when I get this one, the sun is about 200 billion is about 200 billion stars just in our Milky Way, okay? Uh, the sun is one of the 200 billion stars just in Milky Way our Milky Way. So I'm looking at our Milky Way and Milky Way is just one galaxy. There's over a hundred billion galaxies. And so uh, I, there goes the word billion, and so I don't think people really understand the distance. I've already talked about the distance from the sun to the uh, to the Earth, 93 billion miles or 150 kilometers. We talked about uh, uh, the other day going from uh, uh, from Earth to the Moon. Uh, it's about a three-day trip. Uh, we talked about uh, going from uh, Earth to Mars. That's about 150 to 300 days uh, because of how you uh, Uh, Line yourself on the uh, Holman transfer orbit, where this particular uh, July and August, the Mars and Earth are going to be at the closest point, and there's four launches that are going to happen between. uh, You know, the U.S. is going to launch a a satellite um, or a rover into uh, Mars. The European uh, uh, space station or space. A commission is going to launch another rover. The Chinese are launching a rover. Uh, So you have all these things going on. And uh, and finally, you have companies: uh, Blue Origin, uh, SpaceX, Virgin Galactica, Boeing, all uh, trying to commercialize space. So that's the that's what we're talking about. Mike, uh, any of this uh, resonate with some of the discussion? I know you and I have not not talked or had a long, lengthy discussion on space, but I, I every time I talk about space, we're talking billions of miles and and distances of, you know, three, four days to get there, or uh, anywhere between 150, 300 days to get to Mars. Uh, There's a big push to get uh, humans on the moon and a big push to get humans into Mars. Any questions there?
2: Well, uh, you know, as as you were just talking about, the distance is is amazing and, of course, uh, mind-boggling, as you mentioned, you know, where we stand. And I'm I'm just looking at... uh, uh, I've always been interested. You know, we're as you said about 140 uh, million miles. Uh, uh, Mars is, and if, you know, from the, we're 93 million miles to the sun, and Mars is 140 plus uh, million miles, and Venus is 67. And when you look at it, uh, the condition in Mars, as you know, is, is of course is very cold because its distance away from the sun, and Venus, of course, is very hot. Uh, uh, that yeah, you know, it's, it's uh, and then how it just happened? Earth sitting at about right, kind of in the middle, and having the perfect condition for life existence and being here for uh, you know. Of course, as you know, it, uh, Earth has existed uh, over four billion years, and and perhaps uh, life has existed you know for millions of years on, on Earth. But just the fact where Earth sits in, in relation to the sun comparing to Mars and, and Venus, um, it's, it's really interesting. And, and, of course, when you talk about these billions and trillions, you know, it's just, it almost, <laughs> to me, we don't exist. It's just the number being so high and, and uh, uh, in this such an almost infinite universe as, as you're talking about.
1: Right, right. And uh, last week, uh, we mentioned uh, about the Hubble. We've had great uh Ability with the Hubble telescope to expand our knowledge in the space. And then, of course, uh, the Jim Webb uh, uh, telescope that's going to not, uh, not replace because they look at the spectrum, uh, the, uh, the visible light spectrum in a different uh, perspective. But that's going to be increased, you know, uh, a great magnitude, I think, uh, uh, between the Hubble and the Jim Webb uh, telescope. And that will also explore. And then the other fact, I just, uh, Mike, you may not know this, but... Uh, You know, uh, SpaceX is uh, launching uh, over 700 uh, satellites so they can establish broadband over the U.S. or over the globe and also have Internet communication in space. So uh, they're on their sixth trip. Uh, So they've already launched close to 360 satellites or um, small sats, if if you want to call it that, to help this internet uh, constellation. So it's kind of interesting as I look at that, uh, as we look at uh, how does uh, space uh, or the activities in space help mankind. Uh, First of all, there's all Mm -hmm. kinds of... Of uh, communicate uh, satellites, uh, we have three elements in space or space systems: the, the space elements, which includes the mission data uh, and that relays through satellite; the terrestrial uh, element; those are all the ground facilities, and then uh, all the communications from uh, communications data. Uh, you know those those satellites that are tremendous. I mean, we look at the Global position Satellite was which was launched uh, in the uh, I believe in the late seventies. As I was a young man at the Pentagon working some uh, some of the space issues, but that's a commercial uh, venture uh, and the commercial um, activities that NASA and the commercial companies uh, back in the '90s decided that hey, uh, and especially gained uh, a lot of momentum in the early 2005-2010 uh, timeframe, where uh, they developed the uh, you know the competition, uh, who's going to be delivering. Uh, um, uh, astronauts to the International Space Station, and that's where you got into this competition. But space is about a $415 billion industry, and, and we need to be aware of that. Any comments on the on the uh, uh, commercial side, uh, Mike, that has uh, kind of uh, interest you or you've been amazed on some of the activities uh, on either SpaceX, uh, uh, Virgin Galactica, uh, or the other orbital uh, companies that are trying to push into space
2: uh, no it, it's just one of the questions of course uh, the, you know most people ask uh, what are what are the benefits what do we get the benefits of going to the space uh, what has the uh, previous uh, trips to the space has has done for us and of course some of the things that I know I know the number of medication that it does exist an understanding of the effects of medicine and how we'll put some things together in the space and some technology uh in space that works a little differently and and the number of studies they've done it's it's uh that's one of the benefits. But uh you know, if you will mention, you know, what other what are what are the reasons that we're putting this money and we're we're trying to go to the space.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think everybody. And we had that uh, discussion with Hawk David uh, a couple of weeks ago. The benefits of space, the technology uh, push. I will just say, you know, the one uh, that I like to use, uh, uh, artificial arms. Uh, that was a, a biggie. Uh, solar blankets. Uh, most of us who go camping have been exposed to solar blankets. Uh, you know, all the uh, Velcro. A lot of people take that for granted. But there's lots of others. If you go to the NASA webpage.com and look at the uh, technology and dual use technologies, they've got uh, you know a complete pamphlet there of how some of the dual use space technology development process has been used in just day to day use uh, for mankind. Uh, uh, the other thing I'll bring up uh, as I switch uh, topic is the president last week uh, ended up uh, signing the uh, space exploration. And he signed a a declaration that, uh, you know, America is going to start exploring or mining uh, asteroids, the moon, the Mars, and so forth. And so that was a critical change uh, from a U.S. perspective is the beginning of mining the moons. That's the reason the commercialization is there. And the second thing is the militarization of space with the establishment of the Space Force. Any comments on those two things, Mike? We've got about two minutes left.
2: Um, uh, no, that's, uh, I mean, you, you brought a good point of, you know, the innovation and, and what, what we've been able, uh, to, to make because of, you know, being in space. Uh, and, and also of course the other, you know, as, as we're exploring going to Mars, uh, uh, and, uh, possibly, you know, trying to see how we can, uh, and start living there. Uh, that's another, it's going to teach. Teach us a lot about how we live uh, back uh, on the earth, so, uh. Um, Absolutely. But,
1: it's it's going to yeah, be a challenge yeah. for mankind. Uh, you know, we're dealing with uh, radiation. We're dealing with the isolation and confinement. Just think about all the isolation and confinement we've had here in the last four to six weeks. Uh, the distance travel, the gravity it's going to impact us. And then, of course, the just the environment itself is just hostile to u- uh, human beings. Anyway, folks, we've got about a minute uh, left. Let me just wrap up our talk today and our show today was technology impacts on COVID nineteen, energy needs, and space exploration. Hopefully, we ha- we've had a good discussion both on the energy needs, uh, and now the third segment, uh, we're talked about space exploration. And in the first segment, we talked about COVID nineteen. It is critical. If you want to know more information, go back to uh, Voice America. Dot com, the Variety Channel. Look up uh, uh, the T3 today, tomorrow's technology. Take a look at our uh, uh, past podcasts. Uh, there's plenty of information here. We cover a lot of information, both on the uh, convi, uh, the medicine side, the energy needs, and of course, uh, space exploration. And and I'd like to thank my Mike uh, Ravazi, uh, just a, a good friend of mine, a technology expert, uh, a U.S. patent expert, and uh, an enthusiast. Uh, for technology for being on the show today. Uh, Mike, uh, we've got about 10 seconds. Anything else from before we say goodbye?
2: No, thank you very much and I uh, uh, hope uh, all for your audience to stay safe and uh, thanks again and uh, hopefully uh, we talk to them soon again. Thanks. All
1: right. All right, folks, uh, today's show is Technology Impacts on V19, Energy Needs and Space Exploration. Uh, This is your host, Jose Negron, uh, bidding you farewell. I'd like to uh, make a shout out to Dee Daniels, my executive producer, and, of course, Alexander Loreno, my executive assistant. Until next week on the next technology show, I bid you good well and stay safe. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. We hope you'll join your host, Jose Negron, for another exciting program next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Enjoy the rest of your week.